Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey guys, what a show. I would say Fezzik's most honest. And let me tell you something. It might not be good for him, but it's entertaining as all get out. Wouldn't you say, Fez, a lot of honesty here? A lot of honesty. Maybe too much. Just the right amount. You think? I think you're, uh, Brad, what do you think? Maybe a little too much, Fez. I think a little too much. But the world gets to see the truth. (laughs) That's my goal every week. Speaking of the truth, you need more outs, especially if you have less than three. And all joking aside, I'll tell you, if you got five outs, you got three even, yeah, you're going to benefit from an extra out. But how much? Not a ton. But I tell you right now, if you only have one or two, or if you have zero and you want to start batting, getting additional outs are very important. Bet DSI, they've been supporting Podcast One, our platform, for years They have a special offer. It's 100% bonus. Bell 101. 100% bonus. Double your money. Start winning today. And listen, the preseason games are here. We got one team we talk about in this episode. Nine straight losses against the spread. Another team, 13 straight wins. We talk about do you play on, do you play off. But there's money being made. And I would make the case preseason has as much profit opportunity as any time how do we know that's true? The bookies are scared. They'll take a thousand bucks here in Vegas on an NFL side from Fezzik. They'll take fifty during the regular season. They're scared. When the bookies are scared, I get greedy. I don't care if Bad DSI likes that or not. I'm trying to beat them. They think, oh, we'll be fine. Well, maybe they will, because there's some stupid people that even listen to Dream Pod. But if you're smart, you have more outs, you have a better chance to win. BetDSI.com, promo code BELL101. On to this, I'd have to say, rambunctious show. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. And it's week. Preseason is kicking off. We've already had a Hall of Fame game edition of the Wise Guy Roundtable. To my left, Brad Powers. To my right, Steve Fezzik. I'm R.J. Bell. The hitman has landed. Tommy, the hitman from Jersey, not Detroit. I don't know if he's got a long jab or not. I'm not thinking so. Hitman's here. He's going to give us a bonus best bet at the end. And, man, his dad, it's going to be tough for you, Fez, because, I mean, pretty much, what, about a third of your content's been the hitman's without attribution. Correct. And so a little backstory last year, RJ is like, Fez, you work with this guy, the hitman? And I'm like, no, RJ, I don't. I work with the the, the, the or <laughs> Try to keep him a secret. That, I mean, think about that. I mean, let's really pause. If you let people talk, they'll tell you more than you realize. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who's a, you know, was a school teacher. Do you think that was his dream? I don't think so. No. And 
In the New Jersey public school system? No. I'm not sure why that made him say no so much. I mean, just because he went to Northwestern, grew up in the you know, affluent suburbs of, you know, an Ohio town. But what I'll say is Fezzik has a mansion. He's got a yacht. He's got the, he's got the son, got the wife, got the hair, the fame. I mean, Super Bowl pass. I mean, it's re- goddamn ridiculous, as they say. And then there's a kid. He just wants a little taste of it. It's almost like someone that had eight pieces of pizza and begrudging someone a piece of pepperoni. <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah, don't, I might want that pepperoni later, kid. <laughs> I mean, it's like an, a normal person. Even, I mean, I thought I was pretty no nonsense till I met Fez. I mean, it, Fez will make you think that you're a good guy. Let's just say that. I would have thought, yeah, if it had to be Tommy the Hitman or me, F him. I get that. But when you already got yours, why would you want to keep... I get you might have to do your own work, but is there any other reason you'd want to keep someone's dream in the dust? Well, when you put it that way, no. <laughs> what do you think of this, Hitman? Fez, all I'm asking is that you give me a little sliver of the pie. You could have seven slices. I just want a but little. You don't, I just want re- some crumbs. You don't realize it. He doesn't want you to have anything. <laughs> I mean, th- th- we just got down. The crumbs are his, too, is pretty much what he's saying. You can have the gluten-free part of the pie. Now he's trying to joke away. I'm already a multi-millionaire. <laughs> or... To be the man, you got to beat the man. You know, in a way, Fezzik, <laughs> he's sitting up on that king of the hill. And he's teaching you what it takes to take him down. Everyone thinks I can do it. Anyone that comes at the, you know, the wire. is You, you shoot at the king, you best not miss, is the famous line. Fez is showing you, if you want to <laughs> shoot at the king, it ain't beanball. <laughs> I mean, well, I guess there's just one more thing to say. Brad's been saying this for a while. He was the baddest cat around until I showed up. But somehow, <laughs> somehow Fez is still on the mountaintop. Yep. Not for long. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I love it. Let's do it. Showtime! Woo! Bonus best bet. Also... I mean, we got Bill Barnwell with five teams he thinks are going to improve. Fez has a big agreement and disagreement. We're going to talk Zeke. We're going to talk hard knocks. Yes, we got some tape on that. We're going to talk some history with Kyler Murray with Arizona. I'm not optimistic based on the history. And we're going to go into Brad Powers versus the world and now we got both what? The ESPN poll and the AP poll? Uh, ESPN and the coaches poll. Okay. And you're going to have some, your biggest disagreements. Yep, absolutely. All right. Let's get to it. Let's start with hard knocks. Fez, we talked about this on Straight Out of Vegas. Old school. It feels like the Raiders are old school. Now, you're not particularly modern. But for some reason, you, you think math is modern, right? I mean, forget the abacus. The math is modern, he's thinking. 
I don't think old school guys were dumb. Now, I think it is fair to say that analytics is a bigger part of the game today than it used to be. So if you're old school in a way, are you saying, oh, we want to go back to the times before the math? I don't know. That's a concern. But as we tend to do, let's question our premises. What is it about Gruden that we know is anti-intellectual, that we know is anti-math? Well, he certainly said that he is not embracing the new analytics, and that's a major concern for a guy like So him. first off, let's, let's get something straight. After you answer, when you can go on your computer, let's get the exact quote because it's very interesting. It's like a game of telephone is, and, and there was an example of this politically, and I won't even say which side because all it's going to do is piss off half the people, but it was a situation where there was a misrepresentation by an original reporting you know, entity. And I got, I mean, if it gives it away, I don't care. Cause I, I mean, anyone that knows me knows I'm no political party. I'm about, I'm the green party and I'm talking money, right? I want freedom and I want to pay reasonable taxes. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to pay 70% and I want freedom, right? That's my politics. <laughs> All right. Now that said, in this case, there was a situation where there was a picture of some younger looking kids and it looked like they were being boisterous. And then it was presented as the, the, the politician the kids were supporting was like, look what you in a way are encouraging, right? So now it's to the idea of, well, every supporter of a politician is an indictment of that politician if they do something wrong. Well, you know, who did John Wilkes Booth support? I, you know, I don't know. What I know is there's good people on both sides, not trying to be ironic with that quote, as much as I think that there's probably some, I'm, I'm certain there's serial killers that supported Republicans and Democrats and rapists and whatever. So there's bad people on both sides. And I think it's hard to say because this person supported someone, but you can also say, well, that person's engendering those actions. Okay, fine. So the response from the politician was, you know, we don't, we would not encourage or, or be okay with such actions. So here's where the miscommunication happened. So someone reported on that and said, the campaign says boys will be boys. Now, boys will be boys has a very specific connotation. Rich guys, usually going to be white, and they can do pretty much what they want, privilege. Okay. Literally, that was never said. The word boys will be boys, was, the phrase was never said. So what ended up happening was everyone else that reported it reported it on the assumption that boys will be boys was what was said. And the story ended up being so much bigger than it was at the time, all based on a faulty premise. Now, you might say, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm a little gruffly today. You might say, well, that premise was representative. It's like, okay, then why lie then? If it, It's one of those things, if both ways of saying it's true, why not just, and both are the same effect, then just tell the truth. <laughs> just say what was said. So when you don't say what was said, there must be a reason. So to me, I want to hear the quote. I'm guessing it wasn't what you said. All right. So what Gruden said is he says, man, I'm trying to throw the game back to 1988. 
I won't rely on analytics and the modern technology. I will have people help me with that, professionals to help me with that, but I still think old-fashioned is a good thing. Okay. So to me, that last phrase is the one you could probably attack a little bit, but the whole try to throw it back, well, listen, I have shirts I wish came back in style too, (laughs) right? It doesn't mean it's going to happen. Acknowledging this isn't my thing, but we're going to have people do it. You don't hire Gruden thinking, you know, advanced analytics. So what part of that is troubling? And how do you feel that what you said really had no proximity to that? Well, when he says, I still think that the old fashioned is a good thing. Mm -hmm. I'm biased against that. And, and, And I think that's, I mean, I guess in a way, what could he, what else could he believe? Meaning if. He felt like the advanced analytics were the answer. Wouldn't he have immersed himself in them? You would think so. Well, I mean, most people will do what's best for their... I mean, a guy that's making $10 million a year is going to do what's best for his career, right? So in a weird way, you know he's not going to be... Like, big analytics guys don't love analytics. They think it's important. And... People who aren't big analytics guys don't think they're that important by definition, right? If someone is working out every day and, you know, when you're in Vegas, you see it. And the sad story is it's usually me coming back from the poker room at 430 in the morning. (laughs) But you see people out. You've seen this a 100 times, I'm sure, Fez. They're stretching and stuff. They're getting their runs in like at 435 in the morning. They must have like a 730 flight and they're getting that freaking run in, right? So... You know they think health is important, right? And then if you see some guy who's 400 pounds, you know he doesn't, (laughs) right? So Gruden is telling us by not embracing analytics, he doesn't think they're important. How crazy would it be to say, you know what I think is most important? Analytics. Now, I haven't done anything personally to be good at them, but I think if I were hiring a coach, oh, listen, I'm already hired. I just signed a contract, but... If I were hiring a coach, I'd never hire me because the old school way doesn't work anymore. What could he say? Mm-hmm. So uh, how can we react to it? Well, I think it's good that he's acknowledging that he's got people that are looking at it, you know, so he's not dismissing it. That's good. What I'm saying is you could say don't hire an old dinosaur, and I think you have a, at least a debatable point. You can't say you want Gruden to pay any more hom- or homage to or lip service to the importance of analytics when by definition by hiring Gruden you're hiring Gruden mm. who's not an analytics guru right yeah it makes sense it'd be absurd for me to hire McVeigh as my head coach and say I think experience is the most right. important <laughs> right intrinsically by definition you've gone against that exactly Gruden is not an analytics guy so what did you see that made you more concerned other than the seven man sled well, the fact that the Raiders are still living in the past. They're bringing guys back from 15, 20 years ago, having that dinner, and it's almost like the best times of this organization are not in the present, they're in the past. Let's dig in. Since January 1, 2019... Give us an itemization of your bonding experiences with 
anyone f- that you first met before you moved to Vegas. So, for example, if you and your high school buddy had a phone call on Valentine's Day, that would be on the list. Yeah, so I've got... No, no, I I don't want to hear you give some abstraction about all your great old friends. I want to hear about your experiences. Limited. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) So is it zero? Get together with my buddy, John, from Northwestern. When was that? Last time... Oh my goodness! It was last summer, so not pertinent. Yeah, not January. 1st. Not January first, two thousand nineteen. Not pertinent, RJ. So really, what you're telling us is they're not making you any money. So who cares? I haven't had time. <laughs> so it's weird that to me and Brad, we talked about this on air on Fox. By the way, six o'clock Eastern, guys. 200 stations. Ratings are great. can always be better. College programs try to replicate this. Yep. So get, explain. Yeah, I think one of the best uh, examples is Miami's done it multiple times. They reach out to their former, you know, all pro greats, the Michael Irvins, uh, the Warren Saps of the world, and they want to bring in uh, those players that might have been isolated from the previous head coaching staff and, and maybe weren't welcomed around the program. I mean, this happens almost constantly with every new head coach. They bring in the former greats of the past to get that connection with the program. I don't see anything wrong with it. If, if anything, it's, it's a positive. Yeah. I mean, really, since social media, community building is on the lips of every CEO in any kind yep. of uh, media company. And Fez is saying there's too much Raiders community. Sh- stop your yapping and, and go to your cubicle and work. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's so funny that he thinks it's okay to say that. By the way, I've given you some time. Have you thought of any instances of you having any relationship with anybody from the past? No. Zero point zero. <laughs> okay. You're being honest. So to me, I think you could make the case that the, ver- the act of hiring Gruden was anti-analytics. And if you're an analytics guy, you're going to critique that the way you do. I don't think the Raiders having an annual dinner is the problem. Now, the reality is the Raiders have had, what, one winning season in 10? Yes, 12-4 and four year. Which they were lucky to yeah. be 12-4. and four. Yeah, the close wins and more like a 9-7 and seven team that managed to win 12 games. So the question becomes, why? You wouldn't think, I mean, with the history of the Raiders, you think at worst they're institutionally an average team. I mean, I think the elephant in the room is financially, right? They, uh, Mike Lombardi talks about they were cheap in Al Davis's day. Just in general, it doesn't feel like they want to spend money. But would you say net-net since Gruden's come there, I don't think cheap. I mean, it doesn't feel like they've been below average with a checkbook. Agreed. Because Mac would be a negative, you know, letting him go and not wanting to pay him. But, you know, left tackle, they overpaid by most accounts. And Antonio Brown's not cheap. Derek Carr got a lot of money. Yeah, they're paying Antonio Brown more than Amari Cooper, who they let go last year. Well, th- I would hopefully. Hope so. yeah. 
I mean, geez. <laughs> well, the, the the cash was supposedly the issue last year with Cooper letting him go. And but again, who who's to say that's true, right? Which well, is that's the point is so much to me. This was the example with Tom Brady's house. <laughs> Let's get the hitman involved. So one thing I learned about the hitman is, and that, that's, this is not going to do him so well here, is when he gets an angle he likes, he'll keep at it. He wants you to be convinced. And it's like, you're not saying anything new. But we, he gave all his pitch that somehow Tom Brady is unhappy. And he was explaining. He goes, I could, there was this one point. I, was it you thought his eye twitched funny? or something? Like, What was the point? I read in an article that they said that by his demeanor and everything, he seemed pretty pissed off that you he do wasn't realize, getting long-term security. You do realize that video was available. Yes, it is. And I did not watch the video. <laughs> I read the article on it. You know what's hilarious? This is so meta by definition. There's a movie. It's a very little-known movie called Metropolis. And Oh, I'm sorry. No. Metropolis is the old science fiction movie. Metropolitan. And it was from a guy who was kind of like a Woody Allen wannabe. And it was about the late 80s. It was set in the present day of the time. And there was all these Manhattan socialites. But this wasn't like go do Molly and bang or whatever. This was dressing up in tuxedos, having a cotillion, like this kind of like old school stuff, moneyed. That's the kind of stuff you would have went through if you were a girl. And... There was a guy that said, I don't read novels. I only read lit uh, literary criticism. And it was supposed to be this big joke of like, well, why would someone care about the criticism of literature they don't read? It was because already, and this was very prescient way back then, it was the sense of the net, that w this is pre-internet, right? Obviously, is it's not about the thing anymore. It's about the way the thing makes you feel. And that's reading the way that, a book made someone else feel is got more humanity in it than reading the book itself. And if you think about it, what is social media? It's saying, I don't, you don't have to be a photographer because let's be candid. How many of the people taking pictures have any artistic skill at it? It's the humanity. What you tell us as like when you talk or what you tell us by your Instagram account, is what I want to connect with, right? It might be because I'm hot for it. It might be because I hate it. it might be because I want to feel superior. There's all these reasons, but you're connecting with the humanity. It's not artistic, but it's just day to day. And it's so emotionally driven. Most people's Instagrams are not analytical. So the hitman is like, I get if there was like no footage available, you'd say, well, let's get the best account. But once again, you got to explain this to me. There is an interview that is available on YouTube. You won't watch the interview, but you'll read a critique of it and then use that in your analysis. I trusted the wrong source. On well, it. I'm not sure if it's right or wrong. I'm just saying, why trust any source? That's a great point. I need to look <laughs> into that myself and make my own judgment of it. I think it's a very modern thing. I, I mean, Brad, what do you think? It sounds pretty modern. <laughs> well, we just talked about it with the, the case that there was an original, almost like telephone, there was original misperception about what those young boys were doing with the political scene. And then every story after that, everyone's trying to, to do stuff. 
half-assed, in my opinion. I think some of it's that. Some of it is the sensational stuff is what sells. Yeah. Right? So, and and some of it's lazy. And some of it is that we're still wired to trust things that seem to come from reliable sources. Mm. And just having been on the other side of, you know, so many articles that I wasn't the feature of, but I, I would contribute a quote. And what I learned was usually the author had no idea what they were writing about because it was a field I knew, right, sports betting. And also they usually had an agenda. They wanted – and one of my successes was I could kind of learn what their agenda was and I would give them a quote that fit the agenda. Now, I wouldn't change my opinion on something, but you can say things two ways. Yep. If, they, if I felt like they were, wanted to be pro this team, I'd give them a couple – Trends that were pro. If I thought they were anti, it was anti. You would hope journalism wouldn't be like that. It obviously is because it's a business. Yep. And we've talked about this a ton. The beautiful thing about sports is it's a sport, but it's also a business. And that balance, we could say, is the problem or it's what makes it interesting. Because I'll tell you this. There ain't many people at the Little League games that aren't parents. Right? You could sit and say, it's the purity of the game. <laughs> I guess there's others there, but those are even deeper problems. Like Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> you ever see that movie? Mm-mm. Oh, my gosh, is it a good movie? But she was in, like, a beauty contest. I think she was, like, 12 or 11, you know, so not, like, sexual in any way. But <clears throat> obviously there's pedophiles. And in the crowd, there would be all the parents in the beauty contest. And then there'd be like, you know, it was done for some giggles, obviously. And it was, it's a really well-regarded movie. But it'd be like the, the pedos or whatever are hanging out there, like not sitting by anyone, just kind of staring up. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I guess, <laughs> I guess you got to, I guess they really want to be there. Let's just say that if you went there by yourself, <laughs> like you really want to be there. <laughs> But uh, great movie, great movie. And uh, Metropolitan, I also like. Derek Carr, let's talk about him. Hitman, now you might say, why in the hell is this guy around? This guy can uncover some stats. Now check this out. Carr was considered what? At a high point, probably one of the top six, seven quarterbacks in the NFL? Yeah, he was an MVP candidate when, with that home run 12 and four year before he got hurt. Yeah. So he got her week four of 2017. Now, if you look at his stats since, you act like that's his career because he did hurt his back and maybe he's never been the same. I mean, he's got that baby oil, baby oil in the arms oh, yeah. yesterday. But <laughs> in those two years, so week six and onward in 17 and 18, if you look at that as a career or as the, the pertinent time, and then you compare his passer rating while under pressure versus not under pressure. So it's a binary. It's either one or the other. And every quarterback, I think, for the most part, drops off. The question is, it's like home away. Almost everyone plays better at home. It's like how big of a drop-off is it? Cars drop off since the biggest in the NFL, 51.7 points of passer rating. And I think about that. Mm. So Raiders haven't had a great line. In fact, this is also from Tommy the Hitman. He says, 
the Raiders' offensive line has never finished better than 20th in advanced sack rate. And what years does that encompass? That's with Tom Cable as the offensive line coach. So Cable's only been their offensive line coach for about half those years, but it's counting Cable during his tenure in Seattle. Okay, so you're saying Cable, wherever he's been, has never finished better than 20th in adjusted sack rate. And how many years is that for his career? 13 years. All right. So that's really saying top, wow, so he's been in the bottom third 13 straight years. So, Fez, yes. we, we could do that. Point, just go point three three to the power of 13, right? <laughs> What's funny? That's impo- it's impossible to be that bad, right? To I mean, do the, do the calculation. I didn't bring my HP with me. Uh, so we, we, go point, we want to go point six six to the 13th and then one minus. Well, no. So the odds of being in the bottom third are one in three. Right. Right? So... All right, so let's, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. So point three yeah, three. So he did something that was only a 33% chance 13 straight times. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear it. What, and again, I had to question myself for a second. Is sometimes you just invert it because yeah. what is the undefeated, the easiest way to do that? Because if it was 12 out of 13, it's much more advanced. But the easiest way to do that is just point three three times, 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 times. Or you can invert it if the thing that happened was the 66%. But this was actually, if he wasn't in the top 10 for all those years, it would have been the other way. Yeah, so it's a 1% chance to happen in four years. Mm-hmm. So obviously in 12 years, then it would be, um, you know, what point? Oh, you got to add six decimals to the, the 1%. Is there any reason you won't just do it for us? I'll do it. <laughs> you know what we're going to do is let's do this in real time. As long as it takes. Any update? He's focused. Here it is. There is a point zero 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 three three chance. Now, are you sure you hit it 13 times instead of 12? Well, I took the point oh one, which is four years, and I took point oh one times point oh one times point oh one times. Oh, wow. Cheated. No, no, wow. no. <laughs> In fact, that kind of makes the bumbling music seem wrong. Fez, I would make the case that music inspired you. You know, I'm disappointed (laughs) because I would say half the time I've got my HP and I could just punch it in and I didn't have it on me. Or your abacus. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am getting old. That's Steve Fezzik. I'm RJ Bell, Brad Powers, Tommy the Hitman. So that car stat, go ahead. I don't want to step on you. Go ahead. No, you've already done it. I think if we go back to 2017, remember, Carr wasn't getting along with his O-lineman. There was a big issue about the whole kneeling for the anthem and the like. And there was a game when he played at Washington that his O-line just wasn't blocking for him. So this kind of makes sense that he's Carr struggling when he's under pressure because I think he's got this, this, this complete lack of confidence in his O-line since early in 2017. So he's like seeing ghosts. Yeah, what do they say? Lombardi says you drop your helmet and you can't look downfield when you keep worrying about you're about to get, um, you know, blindsided. So I think there's some of that going on. It's funny because I hadn't thought about Carr. And to me, the scene, I mean, I don't even know. Daryl, I don't know what your thoughts on this were, but the whole salmon deal. (laughs) I mean, I don't have any thoughts. (laughs) No, but in a way... 
Carr's reaction to it, it was like he was trying so hard. Like it's almost like you gotta tell the guy how goofy he sounds, or it's almost like disrespect. Like if I came in and said two plus two is five, would it be wrong to tell me? Or would you almost be disrespecting me by not telling me, thinking this guy's so out of it, you know, even trying to tell him two plus two isn't five <laughs> is going to be a waste of our time. We should just go, okay, okay. Yeah. And, and it felt really weird to me. Yeah, there was some of that going on last night. Salmon, salmon. Yeah. And it also I thought was interesting, the guy did not care. And, you know, he's like, I'm a country boy. And it's like, I almost respect that. It's like everyone's trying to tell you what's important and the rarest commodity. Now, listen, I'm obviously an intellectual fellow. I respect intellect. So obviously ignorance is the opposite of that. So in one hand, you could say, well, RJ, you're saying ignorance is good, like a lack of knowledge. And I'm saying he's... That person, in, in regards to the pronunciation of salmon, he's ignorant regardless. So the fact that he doesn't care, you might say that's why he is ignorant. But on the other hand, he'd be better off if he knew how to pronounce salmon. He'd be better off if he cared about how to pronounce it. But I think net-net, the other things that would come from him caring would be more of a negative they're not caring. So this is kind of like a bad, you know, like if you work out, you're sore sometimes. Is being sore good? No. But net-net, working out's better for you than not. At least I heard that rumor. So I feel like this dude being, you know, beaten or uh, marching to the beat of his own drummer is worth so much more than whatever the cost of ignorance is, especially, especially with him having millions in the bank. Yeah. Because he signed a contract for being so good on the football field. Yep. I don't know. Fez, I bet you just think, Dummy, I bet I, I wish he would bet me some of that money. No, I, I remember in high school I pronounced herb chicken, herb chicken one time with a group. So you're saying you as like a 14-year-old child is like this adult man. I was like 16 at the time. It's terrible. Okay, Brad. Now we've got some history, really a historic line, and we're going to break down some of the preseason games that had the big moves we are talking i mean historic multiple years now this raiders the the amount of favor they are is is i think shocking yeah so the raiders this week week one are the largest preseason favorite since 2011 five and a half point home favorites over the rams rj largest preseason week one yeah i said week one wow now think about this the raiders have a win total of six that means if they win seven games, they've exceeded expectations. But somehow they're the biggest favorite Just in all those years yep. in week one. Fez, I mean, how could they? Now, we know what we always say about value, preseason, pricing. And when I say preseason, I mean where oftentimes the narrative drives betting more than the reality on the field. Oftentimes that narrative will be how winning a team is. But if you think about it, it's the draft choices that dictate preseason, especially early, where the teams that did the worst last year had the best draft choices. So if all you did was just bet the bad teams from last year, you'd probably do okay in the preseason. 
right? But the market seems to have caught up to that. But hard knocks is is a one of a kind phenomenon in the NFL. Meaning the attention the Raiders will get this off season or this preseason will be what about fifty percent of all the attention? Yep. In the I'd NFL, agree with that. I mean, if you listen to Colin and tape every second, he's talking about. Hard Knocks and the Raiders. <laughs> yeah. And every second he's talking about other things related to the NFL preseason, I bet it'd be about 50 50. Oh, yeah. Easily. So, what happens? People see the Raiders, they get to know their stories. It's kind of like every four years, Brad comes in and says, You know what's great is that sport with the ice and the people got. And the broom. Curling. Yeah, curling. I, I swear to God, every <laughs> Olympics for like. 20 years, one of my buddies has said, that curling's interesting, ain't it? And it's like, <laughs> I can promise you, six months later, they're not watching curling on some <laughs> internet feed. But, you know, NBC historically has done a great job of telling the story, creating the narrative. Now, when you hear creating the narrative, you might think it's a specific story that the creator wants to tell. But in the case of the Olympics, it just makes something interesting, right? Yep. Well, Hard Knocks... I was thinking how much they got Al Davis saying, just win, baby. Did you see that footage? I wonder how many man hours it took to get. Because I bet he only said that a couple times in his life. It's like there's certain phrases. Like Joe Friday never said just the facts, man. Really? Yeah. Like that is the it, – it, it was the movie with Tom Hanks and Aykroyd that used that phrase. And, every, and it's funny, it's the fake representation of a fake TV show. As in all TV shows, you know, I guess before reality, quote unquote, TV were fake. And he never said it because I wanted to get the drop. I'm a Joe Friday guy. I mean, you know, when he says this, you got to appreciate it. I like to have a little something going every day. Maybe nothing big, but a little daily recreation don't hurt anybody. I mean, you know, we're simpatico and he never said it. And... I wonder how many times Al Davis said, just win, baby. But they had the perfect, you know, the sound was great. I mean, they, are, they had the John Madden footage from 2000 and black and white, apparently. <laughs> They're going to tell a story. And story, attention, leads to sympathy, leads to popularity, leads to betting, leads to expensiveness. And... We've got history on it that's been, what, 11 years prior to this year yep. that Hard Knocks has come back in its second iteration. And if you just faded those teams, you say, ah, they're getting a bunch of attention after that, how would you have done? Well, you'd be 27 and 17 against the spread. That's good enough for 61%, RJ. Faz, you haven't done 61% in the preseason, have you? Oh, I've done 61%, I think. I'm saying over the last 11 years. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, yeah, you've had great pre. Yeah. I mean, I mean, pre. It's one of the money making times. By the way, guys, and I don't have all the details on this. You two, there's like a combo package, right? Yep. Brad, why don't you? Why don't you yeah, so it's going to be if you want my expertise in college football, you can get so. But if you're also looking for Fezzik's expertise on the NFL side, you can get a combo package. Fezzik's NFL, my college football. It's available right now. It's a hot seller, to say the least. So wait a minute. You have all the college knowledge. Yes. Fezzik's the only two-time Super Contest winner. Yep. I don't have to deal with your BS NFL? Well, it's the same as Fezzik's. Anyway. <laughs> and you don't have to deal with Fezzik's college? Nope. 
It's the perfect pattern. Sounds like a win-win. It's like a dream. Mm. So, guys, all joking <laughs> aside, it is. They've proven their expertise in front of the world. And, Fez, you do pretty good in college. You do pretty good in the NFL. But you know where your bread is buttered. Okay, so we talked about car, O-line. Boy, that cable, that's a crazy stat, isn't it? Wow. And all the offensive lines that when he left Seattle, they got way better. And Oakland, before he got there, was way better also. Hey, hey, man, when I wanted to hear from you, I'll let you know, okay? He's like, is he serious? (laughs) He's got that mic in front of him. He's not letting that mic go. Look at him. I mean... (laughs) Just being prepared. Uh, Oh, oh, now he's doing the old shucks bit. If your name's Tommy the Hitman and you're from Jersey... Don't all shocks us. I mean, come on. I've seen the Supreme. I just got to get comfortable and then you'll see the real Tommy. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> all right, Fez, what other games interest you this week? Well, are we done talking about the line move with this one and the coaching history? You want to talk a little coaching yeah, history? That's a good point. So we were kind of thinking this seems crazy that the line's so big. Raiders, if you actually look at uh, his career, because obviously last year was just four games. How 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 would we quantify his performance, Gruden, in the preseason? Yeah, Gruden likes to win in preseason. If you look at his performance I, I against don't the hear spread, you editorialize. What's the numbers? Twenty eight and twenty. Gruden is in preseason against the spread. Three and one last year. So twenty eight and twenty. What's the math on That's that? That's fifty eight percent. So not that good, is it? I mean, it's better than average, but. I mean, like, let's use, for example, the Ravens have covered 13 straight. Yes. Right? Harbaugh likes to win. Is that like, did you think of that phrase in the shower today? Likes <laughs> to win? <laughs> did you, was it a calculated effort to come up with that phrase? No. But why do you keep saying it? I just like the way it sounds. What's the over under on him saying like to win the rest of the pot? Oh, he won't say it now. No, he see that's the thing. You don't you know how his will? brain works. Oh. Is he won't want to? Oh, okay, and he'll and, but he'll get comfortable in about twenty minutes. <laughs> that's <those>. true. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what I think? Does McVeigh like to win? McVeigh does not care whether he wins. However, RJ, but somehow, let me guess: eight games. He's got to be horrible. No way he won even three of them against the spread. He's won four of them straight what? up and against the spread. So he's exactly 50% against the spread. He is. But he doesn't like to win. Well, it's a smoke and mirrors <laughs> four and four because as it turns out, he's won all four of his wins have been very close wins. His losses, three of those four losses, absolute blowout. So if you look at the against the spread margin in those eight games, the Rams have underperformed on average by five points per game. And guys, all joking aside, it, there's a great teaching moment there. If you have a small sample size, which you often will, when you only have four preseason games, you need to look at ATS margin. It doesn't mean it's not a panacea. It doesn't cure all the problems of small sample. But if you count close wins and blowout losses the same, it's, it's going to be deceiving. And over long 100-game, 200-game sample is not as important. Small sample sizes look at margin. All right, so what we're saying is this. In all the games in week one, 
So how many years do we, what is that? Eight, nine years, right? You're yep. talking about 15, 16 games a week, right? So 140 games. Sounds about right. This is the biggest mismatch between a 58 percenter <laughs> and a 50 percenter, <laughs> but maybe shouldn't be 50 percent. Looks inflated at minus five and a half, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. You got to wonder with Gruden, can he try hard? You know, does how much he likes to win? Is that something that has another gear, right? Because if he's max effort anyway, then I I love the Rams. But if Gruden has another gear at Karen in the preseason, you know he's going to do it the Hard Knocks year. That's a good point. Because you you want to think about him being all having to answer for being one and two or something, you know, entering week four. I think he's going to do anything to avoid it. By the way, (laughs) Daryl, this Ollie character. (laughs) So you were a fan of his on that, that prior show. Yes, on Last Chance U. He's a man beast. He was a man beast. And I forgot the college that he ended up leaving that junior college to go to. But, yeah, he's a beast. And do you think the Raiders legitimately thought he could make the NFL roster? I'm going to tell you why. Because if um, prior to Hard Knocks, they were doing a, a rookie spotlight on their website. And he was all over that. He, along with the other rookies, but they were spotlighting him like he was drafted Number one overall. But if you say before hard knocks, is it before it was announced? Because behind the scenes, I think the, they knew the Raiders were going to be hard knocks for a while, right? It wasn't before it was announced, but the way that they were spotlighting him on there, they felt like you would think that the video people at least thought that he would be around. Well, I, th- I listen, player respects game. I think that no doubt about it, that this was a marketing ploy. They figure, hey, is there any way for us to, just like when Fez gets some little rinky-dink website to interview him like he's famous or something, and he'll be like, oh, by the way, they want to do, they want me to do a retweet. It's like, of course they do, right? <laughs> and it's like they're figuring, how do I, or the Raiders, this guy, all he's got a following, he, you know, he, he at least, he's going to get invited by somebody. We might as well invite him. And have an episode of the TV, you know, that's going to be more entertaining. So I'm not sure what the question was that he answered here, but I'm almost certain that it's not the right answer. You know, they asked me about it. They asked me how the experience was, and I just tell them that it was just, you know, it was an experience. You know, you just had to experience it to experience it. Got that, Brian? I got it. <laughs> All right, Fez. <laughs> What else we got? We got Raiders. We talked about what other games? Let's talk Ra- uh, Ravens. Yeah, let's talk the Ravens. You mentioned it. Harbaugh, 13-0, and 0, straight up and against the spread. So they are the second biggest point spread. They're hosting Jacksonville, Baltimore's. Hey, Brent, are you listening to the way he's talking? <laughs> and they are the same. Just talk, buddy. Baltimore's laying four and a half. That was the opener. The market is like what goes on in your mind when you do that voice? I don't know. Do you um, think this is what an announcer sounds like? I don't have much here. The market is well aware <laughs> yeah, that hit him Har- with the Cosell. Harbaugh <laughs> loves to win in the preseason and it's set in the line. You know, that's interesting. Love instead of likes to win. <laughs> see how he switched it? Uh, let's see. See if you can do this. It's good to have you with us for this event. It figures to be an exceptional one. 
One that doesn't need any buildup. Say, say, any buildup. Any buildup. It's about the same as yeah. <laughs> I want to know what you're thinking, though. Is it like, uh-oh, my turn. It's time for the world to see my talent. Like, what, what are you thinking? I don't know, RJ. You, you, your mind just goes blank, and that's the voice that comes out? <laughs> <laughs> Daryl, you've done a lot of radio production. What do you think? I think he's very animated, and we need to put him in some cartoons. You know something? I do believe that. Yeah. We, we got to get the likeness rights secure. but and Not in a bad way, but he has a great voice for children. <laughs> Y'all stop. That's good, Daryl. It is good because yeah. he, con- yeah. he is condescending. It's like when he talks to an adult, <laughs> yeah. it's like he's, he's like talking to a child. Yep. Let me explain that, you know. <laughs> you know what's funny? We're not even being hard on him today. But it looks like he might snap and go at you, Brad. Me? Well, I signed the check. Oh, okay. That's a good point. <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> and you're trying to be the, the biggest cat in the house. <laughs> yeah. All right. So part of me, this feels square. But part of me thinks, wait a minute. They've won 13 straight, the Ravens. He loves to win. Why not just, like, why make it so hard? The line obviously somehow it caught it didn't catch up the last thirteen games, but the fourteenth it's finally caught up. I'm saying why not just play the Ravens? Just because you've got four stringers against four stringers, and given all that, four and a half is just a huge point spread, RJ. So what you're saying is the reason the lines are on home team three all week. So the huge is the 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 point and a half you're talking. Yes. All right. They've covered 13 straight, right? The odds of that randomly are what? 12 is what? 64,000? So 10 is 1,000. So 12 is 4,000. 8,000 to 1 for 13. So it's 8,000 to 1. And we're saying the point and a half is the issue. Sure looks like a point and a half might not even be enough, right? That's a good point. But that, but that's the thing. My gut tells me I'm right. That if, if Let's just say this. Would you be willing to bet me? Let's say we made this a real bet. A thousand, meaning a number that's going to move the needle a little bit. Thousand bucks. I'm letting you decide. I'm not saying this is a bet, but let's just... Let's just Act like it is. You can have Harbaugh the rest of his career on him in the preseason. And let's just say with the Ravens, because once he left that job, who knows where he's going to go. Or you can fade him. So you have to blind bet it one way or the other, a thousand a game. What would you do? You know, I'd actually bet on him. I would too. Yep. So in a weird way, we're saying we that, that history means more than the adjustment to the history. Yes. But somehow you didn't even consider batting them. I can tell you didn't even consider I didn't even consider it because, you know, it's it's a neighborhood I don't want to go into laying four and a half, five in a week one preseason game. It's, and maybe that's but my is mistake. The li- is the line five? Four and a half. So why say four and a half, five? Line's four and a half. It's not, <laughs> it's not what I want to do in week one of preseason. Maybe it's costing me a winner. 
So that's interesting. But you're saying next week, because if anything, it would seem when the players are even is where the coaching intent, loving to win, would matter more. Yes. So if anything, week one is the time to. That's interesting. If you could have Harbaugh two weeks of the preseason on the yes bat, so they're letting you winnow it down. Now you can't. You got to decide now, meaning you can say I want week three and four, I want week one and two. I have a very clear answer in my mind. Week one and four, exactly. Yeah. So it seems like the opposite of your case that we don't want even players. That means it's left to what the coach wants, right? In theory, how how much he loves to win makes a lot of sense. One of the things working against the Ravens is that RG3, their backup quarterback, is going to miss the entire preseason. Okay, so the question isn't RG3 missing or not. The question is how good their backup quarterback is. The backup to him is Trace McSorley, who was out of Penn State. There was a lot of people saying that he was maybe going to change positions going into the NFL, but the Ravens gave him a shot at quarterback. Well, yeah, because the Ravens are running an offense yeah. that no other team has come close is coming close to. Yeah, that would make them very t- tough to beat in the preseason. Because I mean, let's face it, when they're healthy, you'd have three mobile quarterbacks. And to me, well, remember now, I think they're going to be super vanilla. Okay, right. Fair enough. I, I I think, and that maybe is in a weird way we've talked this through a long time, but I think we've got to something here. Harbaugh spent the whole off season putting in wrinkles in this running game. I think Ravens are going to be a great bet early. I think they're going to have move one, move two, move three. You know, your response will be this in week two. I'm fine with that. I don't know how long that lasts, but I think it lasts a while. They're not giving that away in the preseason, right? Agreed. So it's hard to bet a team. In a weird way, them going – now, they weren't vanilla. Your point is – Hey, to get ready for a quirky offense takes prep. Teams don't, opponents don't want to give prep time to an offense they might not even face again. Yep. Thus, you're saying the, the quirky offense has an advantage. Yeah, certainly. And maybe that's still the case even without the wrinkles. Yeah, a guy that's mobile can run around a little bit. So, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think Harbaugh is going to hold back the wrinkles, but. Even if they just ran the same offense they ran last year in the preseason and held back everything new, it still probably is an advantage in the preseason. I would agree with that. Yeah. So now it's got me the other way. Mm. <laughs> and by the way, to to your point, you're talking about Baltimore being a play-on team. If there's one favorite that's been bet up NFL week one regular season, it is Baltimore, open minus three at Miami, and it's up to four and a half. Okay. Or even five, I bet, in some spots. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> but soon. He does not let you go on that. When will you st- <laughs> I, I, I just don't understand why, why. Just tell the facts. Don't yeah. act like you're ever laying five. You got 29 outs. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. Big favorites traditionally in week one uh, uh, in the NFL preseason aren't profitable. Last 10 years, prior to this year, 10-year sample size. There's only been six instances where teams have been a four-and-a-half point or more favorite in week one of the NFL preseason. Those teams are one in five against the number. Failed to cover by about a touchdown a game. That was a good presentation there. To me, I think the two times I want to play on momentum 
in sports, American sports, is the NCAA tournament. I think people will bet a team that's winning, but I think the confidence that comes with winning yep. is bigger than the re- reaction. And I think it's preseason. I think there's in both directions, winning and losing is a sign that, of the coaching intent. So let's think about this. If they like to win or love to win, Atlanta is the opposite. Now, how do we explain that? Yeah, so let's talk about Atlanta-Miami then. Let's move to yeah, that game. Yeah, but the question is, do they, are they indifferent to winning or do they not want to win? I think that they're indifferent. Because some coaches in the past, I think Dungey was like this, like losing. Yeah, I think that well, Quinn has lost nine straight games straight up and against the spread. Prior to that, he had been five and three. So it's a recent history of not winning games. Oh, wow. Okay. And maybe you talk about, hey, a brand new coach has that motivation. Let me prove myself, show I'm competent. But then after. Tomlin was like that. Really good his first four or five years preseason and then didn't care for like four or five years. He doesn't care now if it's regular season (laughs) and not on TV, apparently. (laughs) Nice. So Atlanta is at Miami, and that line, RJ, now you predicted this line, but you got it correct. Miami open minus one and a half at home against the Hall, one of the Hall of Fame games teams, Atlanta, and that line has gone up to three and a half. Now, there's reasons to back Miami. Miami's easy. you got a quarterback controversy. Fitzpatrick, Rosen, uh, Fitzpatrick, the uh, co- new coach Flores, came out and said, hey, he's ahead right now, and so both quarterbacks – absolutely going to get more reps than normal in a week one and have something to prove, reasons to back Miami. So when you say both quarterbacks would get more reps, I don't understand what that means. Well, the, the normally week one, you might not even see the starting quarterback play more than maybe a series at most. And now I would think you would see a, a quarter from each quarterback minimum. Okay, so the question is, though, if you add up, if you're saying in this case the top two quarterbacks are – effectively equal. That's why there's a quarterback controversy. Do you think that Miami's going to play their top two quarterbacks? Let's say we break this up into two portions of a game. The portion that has either the first or second quarterback playing and other. You think the Dolphins will have either their first or second stringer playing more or less or about the same as other teams? More. Hmm. And a lot of times what they'll do is to get a good look at both quarterbacks, they're not going to rest the other 10 starters on, on the team. So all the, the starters are playing extra reps, RJ. So you're saying whoever starts. They're getting the first. The, no, whoever starts is getting time with the ones. And then who's ever coming in next because of the quarterback controversy is also likely to get time with the ones, at least a series or so. <clears throat> you think that would be in week one? Mm. And if it's just a series or so, like, what are you even accomplishing there? As in, if they're both playing a quarter, let's say Fez is right about it. I'm just, to me, I agree with the following. I agree quarterback controversy is a bet-on situation. Now, it's obvious quarterback rotation, you know, Brad, you did seven years with Phil Steele. Before the markets changed, his preseason stuff was really good. Yep. And, I mean, like, he was moving moving line. And when I say markets change, meaning some of his techniques, I think, that weren't – he was moving the line by releasing the pick. Now the rationale behind the pick is, is causing enough. the move beforehand. Yeah. Correct. Um, 
But a lot of it was quarterback rotation. It certainly was. And let's talk about Atlanta's quarterback rotation, which is arguably their backup quarterbacks, the worst in the league right now. So Matt Schaub is the second-string quarterback. He was horrendous <laughs> last week, absolutely horrendous. Brad Powers bet on him yeah. uh, unsuccessfully. But the third-string quarterback for Atlanta was a really pleasant surprise. Bankert played well, but he got hurt on the very actually in the fourth quarter limped off and the injury report was a little bit inconclusive bottom line is Bankert's not playing this week so they signed this guy Matt Sims well he's got experience with Atlanta but it's the Atlanta of the Alliance of American football team so really really thin Atlanta at quarterback in this game okay so you got a team that historically has lost nine straight against the spread and straight up you got a team in Miami that has a quarterback controversy. Net-net, we think, though it's known by the market, it's not properly accounted for. So that's a play on Miami. Playing against Atlanta is the 0 for 9 because that's bigger than the market plays. Meaning, in a regular season, if a guy's lost, a team's lost 9 straight, I'm going to bet on them for yes. sure. Now, that sounds crazy. It's just contrarian NFL stuff, and it's just historically the case that you're going to win more that way. In the preseason, I think if I just told you blind, this team's lost nine straight, you can play on them or against them. Nine straight ATS, what are you going to do? Against. I agree. Okay. So it's the flip side, I guess, of what we were talking about, I guess, with the Ravens. So I wonder, but it wouldn't have to be the same answer, right? Because if anything, I, I would be less inclined to bet – that's interesting. If you could bet on a team that's won nine straight or bet against a team that's lost nine straight blind, which would you prefer? I would rather bet against the team that's lost nine straight. You know, Fez and I almost agree every time on the – I feel good about that because you're better at that. To me, that's the – I think the, the public is going to react to the win To the win more. streak, right. Yeah. What were you going to say, Brad? No, that's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, Brad's like, make sure I'm included here, guys. No, I, I wasn't going to say anything. I mean, listen, Fez told me to start freezing you out. So that's all right. I mean, he said, listen, he goes, I've been a good guy for a long time. Fair enough. So we're already, we're already to bet, we're already to bet against Atlanta. But of course, we should mention Atlanta played in the Hall of Fame game. They lost the Hall of Fame game. So now it's their second game. That is an advantage to Atlanta. Now we've got data on this. We've gone back, uh, one of those arbitrary endpoints, nine years. We're the Hall of Fame loser because, one, in theory, they're more motivated not to start 0-2. The world saw them lose. This is the straight-up loser. What do we got? 5-3-1 and one against the spread, RJ, is the Hall of Fame loser in week one of the preseason. Now, that is small sample. It's obviously yeah. winning. But what about the ATS margin? Four and a half points per game is the average cover. That's pretty significant. Yep. All right. So, <laughs> as usual... We want to bet against Atlanta. We want to bet on Atlanta. Well, after those cockroach bookies, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to bet both and let them keep the vig. Well, I think your answer was correct. Back on Friday, bet Miami minus one and a half before everyone got a hold of this one. And like you said, back on Friday and straight out of Vegas, hey, if you're going to bet Atlanta, go ahead and bet it right before the game kicks off. Remember, guys, that was back on Friday on straight out of Vegas. <laughs> but that said, you're right. Give the rationale, and again, it's the same rationale you would have given, so you've been killing it here, <clears throat> is 
No, actually, he's been pretty good this time. Is why would bet one situation early, why one late? What was the logic? Well, I think it was a good story that you should bet on Miami. The story is compelling. Oh, they got the quarterback controversy with Miami. You got a brand new head coach. Hey, I like that. I, good reasons to bet on this team and some really good reasons to bet against Atlanta with the bad quarterback. So we're talking now, but in theory, the odds makers should account for all that too, but they don't. But they right. don't. They don't have time. Exactly. So I think the public, the public's going to step in and have their say, and the public's going to fade the team that lost nine straight. So odds makers are going to poo-poo that more often. Now, I think sometimes they poo-poo it because they're right to poo-poo it. I think sometimes they're just lazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are they doing this time of year? I mean, just the baseball's occupying all their time. You can't go out and hang a, a reasonable number on NFL preseason. You got game? golf. For, you got for, Let's get something straight. Are we complaining about them putting up bad numbers? No, I'm fine with it. Totally you're fine. Going, but you're, I just think, you're I mean, cajoling them. You're going, can't you put some time in and make it tougher for me to win? That's a good point. <laughs> Continue to be lazy. Continue on. I think we should complain they're not spending more time on amenities and such, right? <laughs> Give us a good rewards program, but you can keep being dumb with the line because let's be honest, net net they're not that dumb, and because they don't need to be smart. That's what people don't get is a majority of even named book or or you know famous with bookmakers with names hardly put up any world openers. I mean, think about it. Westgate, give them credit. They do that NFL the week ahead. Johnny Avello used to do what he did. College football. Yeah, each week. But what else? In Vegas. I mean, South Point's done some stuff, but not that much. It's just, and even, and that's the thing. Even if it's greater than zero, it deserves credit because there's so little of it. I mean, what's the financial – or well, we can't not give the Gold Nugget credit. They kind of started yep. the Games early of the game year. of the year stuff. Yep. Brad, that's your – I mean, you know how Fez is always trying to stroke the people he wants bets from yeah. or he wants to bet into? You got to say, not Tony Miller, man. Nice guy. <laughs> I like Tony. I don't know if he's better. I mean, it was you won how much in his contest? 20000 21000 How much does it cost before you say a nice – or how much do you have to win before you say a nice word about a guy? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tony is a nice guy. And listen, to me, these one-out shops, I mean, or one-location shops might be the way to say it, right? The Gold Nugget is at the Gold Nugget. That's it? These apps are such an opportunity. They can get a white label app. And now the challenge was, can you get people to want to park at Fremont Get down there. Is it really worth that half point? And that might change by the time I get down there. So they have contests. They have all the you know radio shows, broad, you know little local, local rinky-dink shows broadcasting down there. And then, I mean, like they're choking on the smoke. And no ISDN. They're hooked up to some cheap board. And literally, you hear the background kind of going, whoa, 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 whoa. and then <laughs> if they have a phone guest, Oh it, it's like it's like you're talking to Neil Armstrong on the moon. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like a four second delay. I don't know how where they're looping. Or doesn't the speed of light go around the Earth like eight times in a second or something? <laughs> yeah. How can there be a four second delay? <laughs> speed of sound slower, but 
kind on that. It's digital though. It's That's not true. You realize you would think people, it is. You realize people don't have like a can and strings. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, if you weren't smart, that one would go down in history. You know, we might have to keep that one. Mark that time. <laughs> I mean, if we keep fastest, we got to keep yours. Yeah, you should. The speed of sound. It's going up to the satellite <laughs> at the speed of sound. <laughs> oh, he finally got it. Now he's going to start digging on it. You should. <laughs> hey, listen, you can't talk hours a week yeah. on the radio and not say stupid things. So <laughs> it's inevitable. All right. But anyway, to finish that point. If they have unique numbers now with the app, you go down there once, you don't have to deal with it. Now, I know most of these books are they're so worried about professionals beating them on the app. And it's because they're not watching every bet come in. I think that's generational. I think when the next generation comes up where apps are just part of the offering, they're going to look at getting beat on the app the same. There's no real reason you'd be more scared of Fezzik on the app than you would be betting in person, right? No, and the Gold Nugget actually is pretty darn good in terms of their app limits are lower than if you walked up to the window and bet. So the physics of the world that want to bet on the app, maybe they'll take a $300 bet instead of a $3,000 bet, and they're like, oh, look, Fezzik likes this. And so it actually becomes good information for them to see what the pros are betting on the app. I mean, here's the thing. If Fezzik does this kind of thing... Wore the cowboy boots, cowboy hat, walked around. A lot of action that week. A lot of action. You're not going to starve him. He's unstoppable. You can only hope to contain him. (laughs) So, yeah, I I do think there's a fear like, oh, he'll bet it 50 times. You know, there's just a fear of it being out of control. The bookmaker likes sitting back on his perch, watching the action come in. So, but I think it's generational. All right. Any other games you want to talk about? Yeah, one more. I'm going to be real quick about this. One more mover. Washington at Cleveland. Cleveland Open, a small favorite. Now, Washington is laying one and a half. And, RJ, back to our similar theme, quarterback controversy. Washington, Haskins, Keenum, both want to start. You got the rookie, Haskins. So, with um, that quarterback controversy, similar to Miami, we saw money come in on the team that has the quarterback controversy, and that is the Washington Redskins. So, where's that game at? Game is at Cleveland. Washington's now the road favorite. So wait a minute. Home team should be three. Mm-hmm. So if you're one and a half on the road, that means you're four and a half points better. Yes. If they were home, it'd be seven and a half. Yes. But somehow five is the five and a half is the highest line in yep. all this time. But we have so I guess what I'm saying is is my assumption about preseason wrong that it's three or it just seems weird there'd be such a big road favor, which would be commensurate with, with a historically. I mean, when's the last time you've seen a home team laying over a touchdown in week one? You're, you're correct. The home teams are normally minus three. It just it seems in preseason, especially early in preseason, that once you get past the three, it becomes progressively more difficult to cover because it's so much more likely when a team gets ahead in preseason that they let up, especially week one. Okay, now that's fascinating because we're saying I, – I tend and I probably do this too robotically. I'm thinking about points as what should the line be, what am I getting, that's the definition of value. But you're saying if you profile – this is Malinsky stuff in general. He called it football science. If you profile the way this game is going to be played, the preseason – lends itself not to gain margin. Correct. More so 
and thus the points past three are more valuable. Okay, so does that mean teasers? Like, don't you want to tease up? You do want to tease. Teasing. No, is this one of those you like? You think you shouldn't say it? No, we don't allow for that. No, no, you want to tease. But more and more, the books aren't taking this action in preseason. So, which is actually, you know, my big thing coming into the Hall of Fame game was, you know, when I do shows that I don't do every week, but they might want to touch base before football. They're like, you bet on preseason? You're crazy. And it's like, well, the bookies are telling you their confidence level by their limits. And we talked about this, about a 1000 bucks. You said uh, you could get down at each out on an NFL side? Yeah, $1,000 per shop. 50000 per shop week one. Exactly. So much more confident. I want to bet when they're scared myself because the bookies know about Winning and losing. Whatever cockroaches they are, they're partially that because they don't want to put themselves in bad situations. So when half of them say, no, that parlay is correlated, well, if you can get down somewhere, get down. All right? And so what percentage of your 29 outs would you say allow for teasers in the preseason? 10%. Really? Yeah, well, yep. So you got like three outs that you can get teasers down. I do. <laughs> What's with this? How do you? I mean, yeah. that was a weird tone of voice, wasn't it? Yeah. Like he's afraid we're going to ask him where or something. Is that? <laughs> in Ve- is there anywhere in Vegas? There is nowhere in Vegas that I know of that has any kind of reasonable teaser odds. Because again, I'm looking for that lay eleven to make ten on oh, the but, six but point teaser. But, yeah, but but now we're in fantasy world. So of the three that you said is. The three at any price, and there's only – or how many allow you to bet a teaser at even, you know, you think unfair odds? You know, I don't know. I'm going to find the answer for you, and I'm going to go ahead and so go the around three, the locals. The, the and three local was just you making up a number. The three are the ones that I actually, actually place bets. So I didn't make it up. Those are the three that I placed But that bets. wasn't what we asked you. I, I'm going to – you're right. And I do not have the answer, and I'm going to find out. No, that's, that's cool. It's like you could have said, hey yeah. – there's only three that let you lay 110 on a two-team, six-teamer, which is what I – because yeah. the question is how much of that is just robotic, meaning if you add up what going through two and uh, – I'm sorry, three and sevens worth, then you add up the lower variance in preseason games and the difficulty of margin, the true line might be on just, you know, I guess you would call it advantage teasers, the true line might be minus 135, I don't know. I'm saying, but to just act like, hey, I once got 110, and there's a couple places to give me 110. So 110's it. Like, it, what's the logic of that? Yeah, the, at minus 120, it still would be very How profitable. Do we know? What I'm saying is, so you think that? Absolutely. Because you got, we talk about that regression to the mean more towards you know the, it, it coming back, the team that's behind coming back, but also these totals. They're they're all sitting at 37. Instead of being 44 during the regular season. And one of the big variables of variance is how many points are going to be scored. And really, you're trying to minimize variance. You know, this is something that the MTI guys did. And, I mean, they, are, they were on this decade plus ago, which is the idea that teasers aren't picking a winner. Because if you can just pick the winner, you might as well just bet the game on the spread, right? Mm-hmm. Is It's kind of hard to say... 
I think this team's a really good bet, but give me an extra seven points or six points. Like, why do you need it? Right. It's really what you're, it's an exercise of buying points, six in this case. And what are the factors that make points more valuable? Exactly. So ideally, the best teaser is the one where, oh, it's got the most likelihood. Home team. Yeah, you got a home team. Low total. Low total. Low variance play because some teams, quite frankly, uh, have highs and lows more and some don't. I think that's coaching usually. Exactly. Pittsburgh is not a teaser team. No. Pittsburgh loses to bad teams and they beat world championship teams. Exactly. So... And then we're adding or preseason as another factor that lowers variance. Yes. I think part of that, too, is if you're losing by 10, you probably keep your starters in one extra possession or even your second team. You don't go to the next level down when you feel like you might get embarrassed a little bit. Correct. And the one exception to that that we've seen, we discussed it, the Rams. The Rams would not be a team I'd be looking to tease in the preseason because they've been blown out so many times. Last year they lost a game by 26, another game by 28. Yeah, the question is, is that sample size? I mean, it's one thing to say you can say the Rams aren't as good as their ATS record under McVay in the preseason, but I think it's hard to say they're more accepting of blowouts because you'd have to look and see how much they fought. They could have resisted it, and you can still get pinned. Uh, you know, Rick Flair will pin you even if you try to, you know, he'll hook you. <laughs> in a shoot is what they call it. In the shoot. <laughs> no, in a shoot match, right? It's like it's, it, it's a little wrestling talk. Brad knows what I'm talking about, yeah. don't you? Oh, yeah. We got a shooter. Which isn't quite the same thing. <laughs> Let's talk Bill Barnwell. I respect him, right? So it's easy to say ESPN, oh, those guys don't know. I mean, Zach Lowe is one of the top NBA guys. So, you know, TV versus print, it's a whole different game. Let's go through his five picks, and there's one that you really like and one that you really don't like. Yeah, so biggest agreement, Bill Barnwell says the 49ers are going to be better this year. Well, they won 4-12, and 12, so of course I agree with this. The reason it's my biggest agreement, I actually think that the 49ers are going to have a winning record this year. whole lot of reasons for optimism with the 49ers. Of course, it's the 49ers. So who am I going to talk about, RJ? Jimmy G. I love Jimmy G. And he only got to play three games last year. I went ahead and created my new Fez stat, Fez Love stat on Jimmy G, 2016. Minimum six games starting. Who was the number one quarterback in the NFL by QBR? That's Jimmy G, 2017. Again, minimum six games played. Who was the number one quarterback by QBR? Again, Jimmy G. He happened to play six games in both of those years. Um, a lot of other reasons to like the 49ers, including how just how unlucky they were in turnovers. Minus 25 with their second and third string quarterbacks. Nate Mullen fin- finishing up the year for them. I like the 49ers. So the hitman and I are figuring out what is the best one pager you could have on a quarterback. Kind of like an info sheet. And one of the stats we're looking at is a pro football focus that when it comes to the uh, what the inter- or turnover percentage should be. Yeah, pro football focus has a turnover worthy play percentage and rank. So one of the things we're thinking about is how much of turnovers is luck, because I, I think we're past the point of saying they're all luck. 
right? I mean, my back of the napkin guesstimate has been on defense or all luck, on offense, interceptions are 50% luck. Again, just trying to get away from the all luck part. So do you, are we really going to say that the 49ers are injured a bunch now two years in a row, but that's random, and they have a bunch of turnovers two years in a row, but that's random? Well, a lot of it last year in turnovers was random because Beathard and Mullins were quarterbacking the team 13 of the 16 Ex- games. Except Mullins was an above-average quarterback. Yes. So I'm confused by him being the quarterback is a sign of bad quarterback play when it's not. Well, I think it was um, correlated with more turnovers. Why? Well, I would expect if, if I asked you. What, what was Mullins' QBR? He was, I believe, ranked twenty. Third I, in the I mean, twenty second in the league. Is yeah. your did did somehow Google ban you? I'll look. I'll look it up. Yeah, because Mullins played pretty well, and if we just say yeah, he played pretty well, but it makes sense there was a bunch of turnovers. That's actually contradictory, isn't it? Is. it? Yes, it is. So it, now I don't know. I'm just getting suspicious of the because here's what I know: the Chargers have been an underrated team for about 10 freaking years, yeah. right or wrong. You're right. There's something going on with the Chargers. I mean, I'm literally, it's it's like uh, Groundhog Day. Go ahead. 21st. All right, and I'm assuming there's about 40 quarterbacks qualified, right? Only 33. Wait a minute. You're saying there's only 33 quarterbacks on QBR. Is there a page two? Not on this list. I don't know what the minimum number of pass attempts or what their criteria was. So there's every team has to have one, and there's one team. Huh. It's interesting. Still, though, not horrible. So I'm just suspicious. Now, again, I know Jimmy G blinds you to a lot of this. <laughs> so, But I, I do want to talk about your stat real quick. Is So what you're saying is, if you simply just said, count Jimmy G, cause, and you're making the six games the way to count him, but if you say whoever is on the normal QBR, whoever, whatever the default, you're qualified or not, just make sure he's qualified. And the two years he had the best QBR. Yes. Each individual year. Correct. So, by example, 2017, I, Carson Wentz, I believe, was the top QBR, like in the high 70s, like 79, and Jimmy G was in the 80s. He didn't qualify, of course, because he only played six games. But in the Fez world, he's, it, Jimmy G can do no wrong. He cannot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, as we go through Barnwell, I want to focus more on Barnwell's prediction versus the market. I'm not really interested in the delta from last year's wins. So not saying we don't go over each of the teams quickly, but let's go more in depth with your disagreement. Yeah, so biggest disagreement, the New York Giants. Barnwell says they're going to be better. I think the Giants went 5-11 and last year. Their, their season win number is 6. I think they're going to go under 5. I think they're going to have a horrendous year this year. <laughs> Eli is my second worst quarterback in my quarterback ratings, and we've talked about it, all of the cluster injuries at um, wide receiver Corey Coleman out for the year. Uh, Beckham, of course, is gone. Golden Tate is out for four weeks. Sterling Shepard has a broken thumb. And let's face it, you know, Hitman alerted me to the fact that Eli, even when he just didn't have Beckham, 
his quarterback rating dropped precipitously and um, his pass per attempt went down from yards per attempt. Yards per attempt went down from seven and a half to six and a half without just Odell Beckham. And so without his wide receivers, I think it's going to be a long year for the Giants and also RJ. And I think you're, we're in tune with this one. There's a good chance when the Giants are like two and seven. All of a sudden, Jones, the rookie quarterback, has a much better chance to be coming in at the end of the year. I think the Giants are in for a long year. All right, so a bunch of things I disagree with there. So let's start mm-hmm. with if Jones comes in for the rest of the year, what's the over-under on his performance in the stack rank of 32 NFL starters? He would be the worst. Wow. So you think Eli... Now, who do you have starting in Washington? Uh, I think Haskins is going to be the starter. And he's Over better. Keenum. They, one second, let me get my rank, rankings. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The mythical rankings. <laughs> this is interesting. I'd rather have Haskins over Daniel Jones, even though Dan- Oh, wait, he has him. Oh. All right, as it turns out, if Keenum oh, starts, that, I have Ke- <laughs> I have I have Keenum one point better than Haskins, and if Keenum starts, he would be my number twenty-seven quarterback. <laughs> what what, what did struck you so funny? He was like waiting for the music or something. And he's like, <laughs> then he goes, then he goes. As it turns out, yeah. that's when you know. <laughs> yeah. That's when you know he was wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By random events, I had nothing to do with, <laughs> except. Yeah. Everything I controlled in this. As it turns out, what does that even mean? Like, there's nothing random. You just, you know, you didn't have the, your numbers straight in your head. I did not. I thought that I had the, the quarterbacks roughly equal, and I do have Keenum rated higher than Haskins. But I guess that only makes sense because if you have Eli the worst, and you're saying Jones is worse than him, and I'm thinking, well, why would Jones be? And now we're, are we really grading I mean, are we going to be grading how good Haskins is versus how good Jones is? Or they're both pedigreed starters, except one went, what, sixth? Yep. The other went, what, 15th? Yep. So I get you might like so and so Haskins better, but I think the number six guy historically is going to be better than the number 15 guy. Historically speaking, yes. But right. I, don't, I don't know in this case whether there's really yeah, but much you of a don't difference. I don't know. know. I don't. <laughs> this is us doing or you doing what we're laughing at people about doing. I'm just guessing. Right? So we don't know how good these quarterbacks are going to be. Because if it was a science to it, everyone would do it the same way. Like the Giants are pretty smart. I get everyone wants to make out they're dumb. But they probably know more football than that guy in his basement. Right? (laughs) Yes. Because somehow I bet if the Giants offered him a job, a lot of those bloggers would take it. <laughs> you think? No, my mom needs me. <laughs> mom needs me. <laughs> Another thing I didn't get. The hitman set you up. It was funny to hear him say, and you know, the hitman also pointed out, it's like never heard him say that before. But the guy's the hitman's here now. Yeah. Can't get away with it now, Fez. At any point, Tommy, did you feel like Fez was doing you dirty? Uh, sometimes I was feeling like I wasn't getting the exact credit for my work. <laughs> so you, really effectively, he almost kept you from this job. Because you're figuring any place that would tolerate that, who's to say? He tried his best, but now I got all eyes and I got all ears on him. <laughs> it's funny. 
I mean, like literally, I mean, we're joking about it, but it was like, not only did he want to keep him in obscurity, slaving away, did you pay him on the side? <laughs> no. Oh, my <laughs> but he almost like soured the hitman on the whole operation. <laughs> Luckily, he stuck around to see that RJ wouldn't put up with that stuff. I want the cappers fighting each other for, for my attention, my love. I like that. Fez went, it's like, it's Fez's world. <laughs> it's, I bet there's going to be one day a new diagnosis, you know, in the, the, I think it's called the cl- uh, clinician's book or something where, you know, like, uh, Back in the crate, you know, in the, the old days, it was like homosexuality was a mental illness or whatever. So there's a certain, like, I bet there's going to be something where physics diagnosed. It's not just narcissism. I've been around a lot of narcissists. Some would say I'm a narcissist. A lot of people are going, yeah, RJ, we've been thinking that too. Okay. It's not that. It's love of self and total. But I guess that's what a, maybe it's the difference between a psychopath and a, wait, let's think of the word, associate, sociopath, yeah. A sociopath, a sociopath is saying, I care about myself more than anyone else. A psychopath is saying, I don't care about anyone else. It's not a relative issue. You're, if, if you could make me chuckle, I would cut your hand off. You know, like if it would cause me a chuckle. Where even someone that's so self-interested might be saying, I'd rather you stub your toe than, or break your toe than me stub my toe. That I get. People are self-interested. And I think most people lie about how self-interested they are. But Fez seems to have a total disregard for the other party. Almost like they're not human. <laughs> like he's an evolved species. Like, do you feel bad when you eat meat, Brian? Like you eat cow, no problem, right? Yeah. It's like cow doesn't deserve to. I'd rather eat it. Yeah, than absolutely. It. That's, they're serving their purpose. Exactly. For Fez, that's what the hitman was doing. <laughs> now that you put it like that, RJ, you got me having second thoughts about Fez. Oh, oh, oh really? <laughs> the funny thing is he's not even trying to fight it. Yeah. I think he made a calculated decision. If he doesn't talk, I'll turn it around quicker and move on. It's the opposite. I feel like I'm Ali against Floyd Patterson. What's my name? It's like when you're not fighting back, it's like he must be admitting it. He wants it. He's a masochist. He wants this. So just know. <laughs> All right. The thing that threw me when you attributed the hitman was he actually gave it to you in such a compelling way. What's one of our basic premises? Don't give stats without context. So without OBJ, you said, and it's like six point five or four yards of care. It's like, well, how good is that? So double back. Let's see if you can do that. Give me the Eli stats last 20 games, if I recall. Now, that was two years, 20 games, 12 games without OBJ. Or I'm sorry, 20 games without him. I guess uh, 12 games with him. Was the playoffs two years ago? No, I don't think either. 20 with him. 20 with him. And what was the difference? One yard per pass. Do you think that gives us any context? Like, he, if, can you think about every time he drops back, he gets an extra yard? Does that really resonate with you? 
It does with me. It does. Okay. Sorry. How's its stock rank? That's what I'm working on. He gave it to you already. Yeah, he did. There was like 41 quarterbacks that qualified, and only one guy was worse than Eli. Oh, Out of yes. 41 quarterbacks, o- only Osweiler, Osweiler. Was, was the only one worse. The ostrich. How could you forget that? We're, we're getting to a little bit of the problem. What do you think? I don't know. That's just, I mean, listen a little bit. What do you he think did. it is, though? I don't know. Because when, st- when he stole this stuff... He was. He didn't have any prom delay. He just yeah. had it interweaved with his normal stuff. Yes, that's true. Maybe he's uncomfortable because he has to give credit. Maybe he's using that part of his brain for that. Like, like the fume that he has to give the guy who did the work credit. Yeah. How on a scale of one to ten, <laughs> how angry does that make you? Because it doesn't make me angry. Because obviously you wanted it to continue. If somehow he would have came to you and said, "Fez." You know, part of me is thinking I'm not getting credit, but part of me understands you're physics, so you must have your reasons. Mm. Um, should I keep doing this? What would you have said? I think it was a good arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> he told me to start sending him double. <laughs> I, think, I think what I told the hitman is like, you cannot text me enough with all this sort of information. Did you even think... I'll throw him, you know, a thousand at the end, of the, you know, a dime at the I end. I always of the thought about doing it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, in fairness Never. to Fez, he did send me all of his plays the entire season. So he helped me out a little bit. See, you just fed it. In a weird way, you're uh, a victim. You know, it's always dangerous to say the victim deserves it, deserved it, but you deserved it. Because that's the thing <laughs> is you let Fez. And listen, obviously, we sell his picks for a reason. They're as good as they get. But if somehow that becomes his currency, you're aft. Because <laughs> that's his whole game is to try to make that his currency. And he sits in the middle like King Tot. So to me, I'd much rather buy the freaking picks than, than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And part of it, I mean, part of his picks is the information that you just gave him. <laughs> exactly. That's, called, so, that's where he's middling the deal. Yeah. Who knows what's his original stuff? <laughs> Uh, and in a way, does it even matter, though? Meaning if he had 18 sources, that was 98% of what he said. Great. Yeah. You win. Right? That's why all this purity, as long as you're not, you know, improperly not crediting someone. But how do you credit someone if, 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 if you read the write-up and it's one piece of, you know, it's one thing to use a stat or a trend. But we all are, we don't know where our picks come from. Might have been Colin saying this. It might have been us going against Colin. It might have been whatever, right? I mean, that's the whole thing. Decision making, we're not sure exactly the matter. Or, you know, Malcolm Gladwell talked about in Blink is how it happens. We know with Fez, it's probably some deception involved. We don't know exactly. There's someone getting screwed. (laughs) Right, Fez? Might only. Be like derivative handicapping of other handicapping, different uh, layers. I mean, the best story, and then we're going to move on to bet. You know, I think we'll hold your college stuff. Okay. Or you can talk. No, I think we don't have that much college to talk between now and the end of the year or start of the season. I think we, you know. Yeah, no, we're good. Yeah. So, and when you guys are going doing your best bets, I'm going to check out because I've got an appointment. 
So let's think about this. We're going to do a commercial break. What do we need to talk about other than the best bets? Do we have any? We have a few more Barnwell teams, right? Yeah, let me just list them here, and I'll say whether I agree Make sure or disagree. You m- mention it's Barnwell, okay? Yes, it's Bill, <laughs> Bill Barnwell's five NFL teams that are going to improve. Carolina, and I agree. Carolina's current season wins seven and a half. I think that that Carolina team was six and two, and then they just started losing all those close games when Cam Newton's shoulder wasn't right. Now the big red flag here is is cam newton going to be how healthy is he going to be this year but i do agree with barnwell carolina to go over barnwell has the jets to um by the way do we did barnwell have the over or was he one of the five teams he's optimistic on one of the five teams they said would improve and carolina did go seven and nine last year so okay but the question isn't that to go over right i'm not betting over seven am i you're betting over seven and a half okay so they're not very far apart all right and, and, and that, really, it's only seven and a half. Yeah, vig to the over, though. How much vig? Minus 145, I think. And you like that? I do. Okay. So, really, your opinion should be based on the market. Correct, correct. So, uh, Tampa Bay, they won six games last year. Barnwell likes them to improve. The season win number on Tampa Bay is six. I agree. I like over. I think, RJ, you nailed the number one reason. Arians is a head coach. I really like that upgrade. Sorry about that. I agree in that people say, oh, he was lazy at the end of the Arizona. Well, you think of that Arizona team, how good they were. There's something going on very positive with, with Yeah, and even if he was lazy, they're still right around 500. They went from 500 to the first pick in the NFL draft without him. Yeah, yeah and that, that old line. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, last. Oh, speaking of that, we'll, we've got your amazing stuff on Kyler Murray coming up, too. Last right. Barnwell team, he thinks the Jets will be better. The Jets' current season win number is 7.5. I got to tell you, this is one I am neutral on. I am really not sure if Darnold is going to improve his play, especially his road play. I'm neutral on the Jets. So we're doing some research on Darnold. The question is, as bad as Darnold was his rookie year, how many good quarterbacks were ever that bad? And everyone's saying, oh, he's going to get better. He's going to get better. Usually the, the guys that end up good were pretty good from the start. And I know Peyton Manning is going to be the quick other, you know, we'll see. And uh, I'm thinking it's going to be a, a, a small minority that did as poorly as him or do well for a career. But I know a lot of people will like him. Here's the paradox with the Jets. I think they made a lot of bad moves in the offseason, but they had so much salary cap to spend that the team is going to be much improved even though they were bad moves. So Le'Veon mm-hmm. Bell, it's hard to say that with some great contract. In fact, I was listening to Lombardi. The very question I asked yesterday, I wonder what the second bid was on Le'Veon. And he asked the same question. He goes, you know, it could have been half as much money. It was his guess. Guarantee. So, doesn't mean that's true, but the Jets were one, and it's all you need. But for this year, yeah, it's true. But <laughs> for this year, the Jets are much better. Got to be better. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much they pay him because mm-hmm. meaning that we don't even know what their salary cap situation. We just know they they're able to do what they've done. That's a big improvement. So on one hand, we're looking at the move saying D plus C minus. But net net, they're 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 a much improved team, and they better be. They only won four games last year. 
it's almost like there's part of him that's like the a Ted Baxter type, like the most cliched sports guy. And it'd be like, there's the one guy going, and I think they're much improved. And he goes, well, they better be because they are, last year they were 4-12. and 12. It's like, you know, that kind of local radio yeah. guy? The sports guy on the Anchorman. He was like that champ. <laughs> you see Anchorman? I am uh, not. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's the thing. <laughs> the Hitman has never seen a movie. Never? Not one? Is that true? Uh, maybe a few, but you're pretty close to it. Let's be clear. Have you seen The Godfather? I have not. So let's just end the conversation. <laughs> I mean, if you haven't seen The Godfather and you're from Jersey. Yeah, that's saying a lot. Yeah. So if, if somehow he got dragged by his girlfriend to see Valentine's Day or whatever, doesn't matter. He was thinking yeah. about football. <laughs> yeah. Right? I have seen Fifty Shades of Grey. My girlfriend's oh. made me see that. So now that that's interesting. I don't think he quite understands how much he's sharing right there. Yeah, that's a drop, <laughs> man. <laughs> I almost don't want to do it to him. <laughs> Hitman still has. Yeah. He's listen. He left Fezzik fooling like. I mean, he still believes. I mean, when I say believes about in the good nature of man, Fez will take care of that. Oh yeah, quick, fast, and a heartbeat. <laughs> Everything okay, Fess? That's a text to my nephew there. What's this about? Um, movies. He says, no, I have not seen The Godfather. Your nephew? Yes. Is he supposed to be the movie authority? Well, I'm just... His, my, my sister has never seen The Godfather, nor has he. I, don't, I thought of very strange. <laughs> I got to be honest, about a third of the things he says, I have no idea what he's... like. Wh- since I'm going to be leaving and this will go a lot faster, walk me through your logic there. Well, what are the odds that I would have just sent a text to someone about whether they had watched oh, The Godfather so, you, three you, minutes you, after you brought it up on a podcast? Three minutes after. So did I bring it up first or did you text first? No, this, well, this text came within the last three days. Okay. So what you're saying is you were texting with your nephew. Yes. You asked him if he had seen The Godfather. Yes. And then I, after that... Totally independently. Yeah. But you do realize that's interesting, but you didn't tell us that. I should have said it that way, yes. Like, you handed me the thing and said, look, I'm asking my nephew... Hold on. About the Godfather. Uh, I thought that literally your response to me asking the hitman was to pick up and think, who might not have seen the Godfather and text him? I see. (laughs) I mean, now this may... But the funny thing is he didn't see that was the point is, hey... I actually was just talking about seeing The Godfather with my nephew and how shocking it was he didn't see it. It's almost like you were looking at my phone. I don't know how that, what a, just a tremendous coincidence. Except you didn't say, like the part that made it coincidental. The the point of the story I left out. (laughs) I guess that says it, doesn't it? It does. All right. Kyler Murray. I mean, to me, this is, when you look at the history here, this is Arizona saying we don't give a care about history. <laughs> so you gave me a homework project, RJ. So you had me look at what were the heights of the top quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. And I went through them, the all-time leading passers in the history of the game. Went through the top 147. I actually went further than that, and I'll tell you why we only went for, through 147 here in a second. Only two of the top 147 were less than six foot tall. They were Sonny Jurgensen. I'm sure you remember him, Fez, your high school years. 
Russell Wilson. That's it. Out of the top 147, only two guys were less than six foot tall. Obviously, Kyler Murray, five foot ten. Number one. And let's say that's being generous. I was oh. standing right next to him. What would you say, five nine? I got to be honest. I'm five ten plus a little, which you can tell you're under six yeah. foot when you're saying that. Is and I, I had to be three inches taller. You towered him. over him. Did you see it? Yeah. That's what I'm wow. saying. Wow. And I you mean, weren't wearing any, like. My, my, my Al Pacino platforms? No, no. <laughs> when you're almost 5'11", as some would say, <laughs> not naming any names, is you don't need platform shoes. Fair enough. Especially in Vegas. When I, you know, at Ohio State, I felt like average height. There's a lot, you know, just the math of it. A lot of Hispanics in Vegas, Hispanics typically, you know, again, math is, aren't tall. I feel tall in Vegas, but I did not at Ohio State. So, but never platform shoes. I guess I'm answering. <laughs> Fair enough. How tall are you? Five ten and a half, I think. Five ten, five ten and a half. I'm. Someone answer. said you were five five. I said I graduated high school at five <laughs> oh. four. <laughs> Five four. I graduated Wait a minute. high school. You were five four graduating from high school, and you're now over five ten. I grew six inches my freshman year in college. Was the growth hormone legal or not? <laughs> no, nah, it was just a late bloomer. Did you go to you go to Germany? No, nah, just a late <laughs> late bloomer. You skip a grade, so you graduate seventeen. Nope. Why did you ask that? Well, I thought he might not have been eighteen yet. That's why. You he think would, he's been like Doogie Howser this whole time? Yeah, exactly. And hasn't told no. Sorry, certainly possible, think, right? You don't think he would, no, it's impossible. <laughs> he would have mentioned it nineteen uh, times exactly. the first month. Yes, <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> All right, so so Kyler Murray, five foot ten, number one forty eight quarterback on the list, also five foot ten. His name, a former Heisman Trophy winner coming out of college, Doug Flutie. Who just so happened in 1985? Where did Doug Flutie get drafted? A five foot ten Heisman Trophy winner coming out of college. He wouldn't be drafted if it was today's NFL. How about eleventh, the eleventh round of the NFL draft in 1985? Not the first overall pick, the eleventh round for Doug Flutie. Think about that. Is comps right? We're looking yep. who's the comparable Heisman Trophy winner, short. Yep. Heisman Trophy winner, short quarterback, eleventh round, first pick. Yep. And then you add in the history with the coach where a guy fired in college. It's, I went through the last two decades. There's never been an instance where a guy was fired at his college job and then got an NFL head coaching job. Now, I will say there's about eight to nine instances where a guy was fired in the NFL, from an NFL head coaching job and got an NFL head coaching job the next year. But I don't know if I want to be on the list with Eric Mangini, Dave Wanstead, Jack Del Rio, Lovey Smith, Mike Malarkey, Adam Gase this year fired from Miami and the Jets hired him, but certainly it's not a list I want to be on. Is Wanstead and Wanstat the same person? Did I say Wanstat? No, you said Wanstead. Oh, I did. I thought his name was Dave Wanstat. I thought it's Stead. I don't know. Did I say it wrong? Daryl? You guys, your your guess is as good as mine. I'm going to look at it. That's the former Jimmy Johnson assistant. Yeah. Yeah, and the and he was a pit coach. Yes. Yeah, I think it's Wanstat. Damn. <laughs> I think, but I'm not a great pronunciator. All right. To me, I think the 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 NFL to NFL isn't even pertinent because it's proven 
They got hired that first time for a reason. They were pedigreed enough. What I'm saying is if you get fired in college, you've never coached in the NFL. It's like saying, you know, I hit 240 in AAA, but I think in the, in, in the, the show I'm going to really, you know, with, when those curveballs are tougher is when I'm really going to shine. Doesn't make any sense. And we've seen Spurrier, we've seen it <clears throat> going from, I mean, you're going against Belichick, right? You're not going against Ron Prince. So, and, and if you look at it, forget getting fired. If you look at Texas Tech, yep. if you take out Kansas in conference, which just has been historically bad for a while, what's the record? It's crazy, right? Kingsbury was 13 and 35 in Big 12 play. Thirteen and thirty-five, Take, taking out Kansas, taking out Kansas. So he went six and zero against. So when you have to butt heads against Lincoln Riley, who again, Lincoln maybe could coach the NFL, right? He yeah. seems like the type. But go down the list. And butting heads against Dana Holgerson, who said, "No, no Moss, I'm out of the Big Twelve. I, I got to step down a level. Couldn't beat him." I mean, I mean, this is where Leach had like eleven straight bowl games, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, he inherited. It's not like he inherited Rutgers. Texas Tech was a solid eight nine win a year type of team. This is what he inherited. They kicked out uh, the Tommy Tuberville prior for going eight and five because he couldn't get to what Leach had it at. This is an example of saying history doesn't matter. The paradigms you understand don't matter. The NFL coaching is now about offensive creativity, and if so, maybe it's a good hire. I think the move is you bring in. And actually, this is what Leach did at Texas Tech, ironically. He had, like, a associate head coach, which other places do this, too. But this was more Leach wanted to be a coordinator, ultimately, but he wanted paid like a head coach. So you come in and say, you're going to be my ops guy, effectively, and the decisions that Bill Snyder would have made, you can make. I'm going to go coach. Mm. And to me, that's fine. I agree. But go hire, a, you know, a, th- a 62-year-old dude that to hand, I mean, in a way, that's what McVeigh did by delegating defense so much mm, to Wade Phillips. Yep. Yeah, it was like I, I'm, I'm new, I'm young. Let me folk now. In this case, there's really three roles, or I guess special teams. But you could say it's offense, defense, special teams, and administrative issues. McVeigh just taking defense off his ta- his plate was a good move, I think, especially when you could get. Someone so good on the as the DC. I mean, is there even a sense Arizona's trying to do this? There is. I'll get the defense corner, and he is uh, an experienced guy that he did hire. But someone who you live football, you don't know his name. Vance Joseph. Okay, so the guy who was a former head coach for Denver. Yep. Okay, I don't know much about him as a coordinator. I know that if I were as a Steelers fan, I was hoping he stayed in Denver. <laughs> yeah. But again, coordinators and head coaches are different things. Yeah. Did you have any sense of him as a coordinator? He was the coordinator of Miami before he got the head coaching job at the Broncos mm-hmm. from everything that under, under Don Shula? No, it was under <laughs> a little later than that. But he really wasn't super successful as a coordinator, which kind of puzzled me on how he got the Broncos job to begin with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you, Hitman. You got my answer. And again, that is the hint, man. We're not going to act like that's Fezzik with a different voice. We're going to tell the truth. Fezzik has a Jersey accent. Wouldn't it be funny if he was, the hitman was doing like webcam videos, like bitching out Fezzik? 
Like, and then he mentioned this, that. You think he would have said my name one time? <laughs> I would never. Fez is still my guy. Oh, look at him. Hedging. That's how he, that's how he sucked me in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to do one commercial. And when we come back, RJ's out. The hitman's in. But he won't be using this mic. This is just for me. Talk to you in a minute. Yes. <laughs> we're not a fantasy site. We're not great with fantasy information. Some of it prop related relates, but not a ton. Well, we've got a sponsor, Fantasy Pros Draft Wizard. Now, I get the whole daily fantasy. I get the whole you can adjust throughout the season. But the draft is meaningful. It's kind of like a marriage in a state where divorce isn't that hard. But you're still getting married. I just made that up. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> you like that, Brent? Yeah. All it takes is a few costly picks, bad picks, and your championship dreams are doomed. Fear is what marketing attempts to engender, and you should be scared of making these bad picks and dooming yourself. And also, let's be candid. No matter how many people Fezzik's stealing from, he's putting a lot of hours in doing it, for example. He's like, yeah. How many hours can you save of tedious, that's, that's in the copy, tedious draft prep? So they got a draft simulator. That's free, by the way. You can compete and complete realistic mock drafts in just five minutes. And you can test different strategies. Then after, instant feedback is provided in a form of draft grades and projected standings based on how you did. Now, Come draft day, Fantasy Pros has their draft wizard. And that includes a live draft assistant that syncs with your draft and offers real-time advice. Don't fear the whole artificial intelligence. You want it on, hey, if the robots are taking over, make sure they're on your side. <laughs> Best of all, the draft wizard is fully tailored to your league's settings and rules with custom scoring, Trade, protocols, keepers, auction format, etc. Draft Wizard, the easiest way to crush your draft this year. Crushing your draft is better than being doomed. It's available on the web, iPhone, and Android. And there's a special offer. Get complete access. Wait a minute. The lead at the end. RJ tricked us. Is this free? All free? Yes. But you got to use the special. Fantasypros.com. Slash Bell. Fantasypros.com slash Bell, and it's free. Go. All right, guys. We are back, and we have an extra bonus. A bonus on top of a bonus. Steak knives. No. Is the Hitman and Dave Essler at the very end. Uncle Dave, he's been he's gonna be out here in a couple weeks. It's gonna be a war. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's been winning since Moses wore short pants, as they say. He's got a team total, NFL this year. I think you're going to agree with this one, Fez. But first, our gal. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Okay, Mr. Brad Powers, you're taking over. All right. 
I just figured it would take another hour if I was here telling stories. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Fez. You got a best bet. Go, Fez, go. Or was this the hitman? Make sure you're... <laughs> well, a little bit of both here. We're going to go to right. 49ers over eight wins. I've talked a lot about the 49ers being undervalued. big part of that is their minus 25 and turnover differential. But the hitman has provided me some good information about teams that are that bad, historically bad, in turnover differential. i got to tell you, the hitman... He's been getting me information, not sending it. So uh, the information that he got me on this one since 2005. Was that, was that a Wall Street reference? It was. 2005, eight teams have had a turnover differential of worse than minus 20. Of those eight teams, and this is remarkable, the average win increase of those teams the following year, 6.4 wins. So even as bad as the 49ers were, four wins. If they had the typical appreciation these other teams have had, 4 plus 6.4 gets them to 10.4. Jimmy G and company were going over 8, minus $1.35 season wins, San Francisco 49ers. Any concern, Fez, they're in the same division as two of the better teams in the NFC, Seattle and the Rams? Of course, when you say it that way, there's a concern now. They're also in the division with Arizona, so and I know you're down on Arizona, so I think the Rams and Arizona offset each other, so they have two fairly difficult games against Seattle. Not a big deal. And I'm glad you bring up Arizona because that leads right into old Brad Powers' best bet for this week. I just gave you historical stats on the shortness of Kyler Murray and how that really hasn't translated very well in the NFL and also the inexperience or the failure of experience in college that Cliff Kingsbury had being another historical outlier. We've never seen a college head coach fired one year at college and then hired with an NFL job the next year. Again, you got an historically small quarterback by NFL standards. You got a college coach that couldn't hack it in the miserable Big 12 13 and 35 take out those games against Kansas and here's my favorite part of the bet let's look at the Arizona schedule for this year so there's a book in town CG Technology who offers Hitman you're here you you bet these I've, CG Technology lines I've bet a lot of lookaheads over there so you can bet all the games in the regular season with the exception of week 17 and it just so happens that Arizona is an underdog in every single game that they play this year. And in fact, Arizona's shortest underdog role for the Cardinals this year is week one, a two and a half point dog against the Lions. So the Cardinals, at least a three point dog in every other game this season. And when you put, you type in the math, and Fez, sometimes you're pretty good at this. So, I mean, a three, you're a three point underdog in a game, there's a 40% chance that you're going to win that game straight up if you're a three-point dog. So you give credit for Arizona, 0.4 of a win. So you do that for their entire schedule using those CG technology lines, only get four and a half wins for the Cardinals, which is a full win under my best bet here. We're going Arizona, the Cardinals, under five and a half wins. You're going to have to pay a little bit of some juice here. Minus 130 is what I saw at Caesars and a couple other books. Arizona Cardinals under five and a half wins. That is old Brad Powers' best bet for the first, what, second time here on the Dream Preview. Tommy the Hitman from New Jersey. I like Tommy the Hitman Hughes from New Jersey. 
Coming to town, what is your best bet? All right. So for my best bet, we got the Redskins under six and a half wins. So the Redskins last year went seven and nine, but they were lucky to win those seven games. Why is that? Because their Pythagorean win total actually was 5.3, which was one of the biggest differentials in the entire league. So the 2018 skins were 27th in net yards per play, 3-0 and in close games, and they had the third best fumble recovery rate in the NFL. All luck. So now the uh, Redskins this year already have a bad roster, so they can't afford any injuries with their current roster. So how have they been the last five years in injury rank? The Redskins are 32nd, 25th, 28th, 31st, and 24th in injury rank. That's part of the problem why all pro left tackle Trent Williams is holding out that he has an issue with the medical staff. Who is Trent Williams' backup? None other than former first-round bust, Eric Flowers. The Redskins this year, speaking of those CG technology games, only favored in two of them the entire season. All this leads me to loving the Redskins. Under six and a half wins, you could probably get it about minus 140 juice or so. Pythagorean theorem, define it. So, yeah, Pythagorean theorem is the idea of, based upon how many points you score, how many points to your opponent's score, how many games should you actually have won versus your actual results. So I believe that if you're outscored by 40 points during a season, you should go 7-9. and nine. And of course, then any uh, variance above or below it is based upon um, just pure random chance. And that's not the pyro thea agium, like the one guy said that we had the drop on and <laughs> trying to pronounce it, so-called quote-unquote experts. So again, the pick, Hitman, Washington Redskins. Under six and a half wins, widely available. Widely available. You could get minus 140 at Westgate. And, of course, the Redskins could always go to the rookie quarterback, too, if things aren't going well. And I think, and Fez also agrees with this, I am negative towards rookie quarterbacks. All right, we got one more best bet coming your way. It's also an NFL win total, this time from Dave Esler, and he's got you covered with his best bet for this week. NFL season win total, Dolphins over four and a half. Miami won seven games last season with Osweiler and Tannehill. Fitzpatrick's a huge upgrade, and I'm not expecting Flores to throw Rosen back to the Wolves anytime soon. And speaking of coaches, Gase never had control of the Dolphins, and Flores will. Last year, their leading rusher didn't get into the end zone. Their leading receiver was the slot guy, Danny Amendola. How much worse can it get? Patrick Graham, new defensive coordinator, another Belichick disciple. Add in Eric Rowe to the defensive backfield. How much worse can the defense be? So again, last year, the Finns win seven games with arguably less talent and a harder schedule. They've got a distinct home field advantage in South Florida. They were 6-2 and two at home last year. They might even beat Lamar Jackson in week one. So winning five is not a stretch in my mind. Finns to the left, Finns to the right, Finns over four and a half wins. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for R.J.? You can contact him directly on Twitter at R.J. in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.